2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. And we're going to read verse 8, verse, yeah, chapter 6, verse 8 through 18. The Bible reads like this. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servant saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down here. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. And thus he was warned and he was watchful there. Not just once, but twice. Not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants to them and he said, uh, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And so he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night, surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he might see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. And so the came down to him. Elisha prayed and the Lord, to the Lord and said, Strike the people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Father, we thank you for your word. This morning we pray you speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to see. Lord, let us have a glimpse today of what you desire to tell us in your word. Let it root down in there and produce fruit in our lives. And we give you the praise and the thanks for it. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. You can be seated this morning. And uh, as I said earlier, good morning, and we're glad that you're here. Uh, This morning, we're going to start a brand new series that I've entitled Beyond the Veil. Beyond the Veil. Last week, if you were here, uh, we had a great Pentecost Sunday service, and we talked about the temple. Now, what I'm going to try to do is not to orchestrate a loud power surge boom today. Can I get amen? Because I don't know about you, my grandparents taught me to be ready because the rapture could happen any moment. And I thought that was it. And I started to get really concerned that we were all still here. Amen. So it was a good Sunday and uh, super excited. If you didn't go listen to that message, I want you to go back and listen to it. Because we talked about the old temple where uh, the Lord spoke to the prophet and said, It's not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And we talked about how uh, what God's going to do is not going to come by an economic answer. It's not going to come through a political answer or any type of military answer. It's going to come by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I still believe that. I hold to that. And I believe that we need a move of God in our nation. We do. Every empty pew and seat you see around you would be answered by a move of God. We need a move of God in America. So this morning, I am going to begin to pray into that and preach into that. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching, preaching this morning over the next few weeks as we look into the realm of the Spirit because it's difficult for people to understand a move of the Spirit if you don't understand the operation of spiritual things. 
And so this morning, uh, this is something that a lot of people don't touch. They don't mess with it. But I think it's important uh, not to just get the practical living out of the Bible, but the spiritual living out of the Bible as well. And so we're going to look at this, and we're going to see exactly what God wants to say to us. So this morning, I'm going to teach for a little while from the subject, the realm of the Spirit. The realm of the Spirit. We've got to ask ourselves, the spiritual realm, what is it? What is the spiritual realm? What does it mean? And why does it even matter to us? The truth is, is that most of us are totally preoccupied by our flesh and our bones. Uh, everything in our life dictates how our flesh feels and doesn't feel, and we're driven by our desires of our flesh, and, and that happens to get a lot of people in trouble in, in, in life, not only spiritually but physically, following the whims of the flesh. But a lot of us don't realize that the spiritual realm is just as much, if not more, real than the physical realm that you and I taste every single day. And so this morning, I'm going to endeavor to get beyond that veil this morning and just show you a few things that I think that if you line out these principles in your life and you see exactly what's going on, God can help us. So the, first of all, I want you to know this, that the physical realm is more real than the natural realm. The physical realm, what we see right here in the here and now, is absolutely 100% temporary. You and I are fixated upon it. It affects our day-to-day -day life. We get in a physical car. We live in a physical house. We eat physical food. And so we think that, therefore, since we live in all of these physical uh, ramifications, that somehow the, spirit, the physical realm is more real. But the truth is, the spiritual realm is more real than any of us could imagine. Hebrews chapter 11 begins to talk about how God spoke the world into existence, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and, and God stepped out on nothing and spoke the world into existence from literally nothing. Job uh, 26, 7 says, God stretched out the north over the empty space and he hung the earth on nothing. And let me tell you something, it's still hanging on nothing and it's still orbiting around the sun because the world does what God dictates for God. The world does what he dictates it to do. And so what we see is that uh, when God created everything, there was nothing. Now, God stepped out on nothing and created everything. Why? Because there was nothing for him to stand on. It was a blank slate. I love the way Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 tells us. It tells us this. It says that that which we see with our eyes was created by that which is unseen. Look how he says it. For by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. What does that mean? That means God's creative power. God, through the spoken word and through divine design, created the physical world from the spiritual world. So that's very, very, very important. Why? Why is that important this morning? It's important because in our own essence, man is a spirit. Man is a spiritual being. You say, well, pastor, I've got achy joints and achy muscles and eyes that don't work and ears that can't have here. And uh, thank God he does break into the physical realm and, and offer healing. But let me tell you something. Our spiritual man is much more real than our physical man. 
Now, what does, that, what does that look like? John said this, God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let me, let me quote that one more time. God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why you can't afford to come in here on a Sunday morning at 1030 and try to worship in your flesh. Come on, somebody. You've got to make a conscious effort to worship God in spirit. You say, how do I worship God? You worship him the way he tells us to in the Bible. Clap your hands, oh, you people. Lift up holy hands, sing, dance, shout, all of those things. And you say, well, I don't feel like it. That's the problem. Your flesh is dictating you where your spirit should be dictating you. Come on, somebody. Man is a spirit being. Notice this. Creation account of Genesis. Not in your notes, but here's a little tidbit of information. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness hovered over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and, and all of these different things happened. And you get into chapter 2, and it says, and God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And God created man. Then the second thing it says and says and that God created Eve and, and it says from the dust of the ground God formed a body for a man. The spirit of the man came first, the body of the man came second. You say, Pastor, I don't understand. Well, let me help you. The reason why Christians upon death don't sorrow like those who have no hope. Every past sermon I, uh, I do for a funeral graveside, I talk about that. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Why? Because the departure of the flesh of man is simply temporary. When we die in our flesh... Our spirit lives forever. And contrary to Hollywood and contrary to Hallmark and contrary to Oprah, everybody doesn't go to heaven. Only redeemed spirits go to heaven. We have to be washed and cleansed and bought, bought with the price that Jesus paid for us and to freely accept his grace and his mercy. And then we can become what the scripture calls regenerated or born again. But the truth is, is that man is a spiritual being. We're a spiritual being. We're not a physical being having a spiritual experience. We're a spiritual being having a spirit of existence, a spiritual existence. That's why we have to understand that when we depart our life, we're not there anymore. I know that we go to the cemetery and graveyards and we, we mourn our loved ones and we honor them and memorialize their graves. But the truth of the matter is they're not there. They're not there. Now that may not be comfort to you, but it's comfort to me. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body as a believer is present with the Lord. And let me tell you, I'd rather be present with the Lord than six feet in the ground in a box somewhere with, you know, in the consciousness of my bones and my flesh decaying. But our spirit is fully alive upon death. That's why you and I have to realize that we are more spiritual than we think we are. When we're saved, we may taste physical death, but the spirit of a man lives eternally, escaping spiritual death. But if we're saved, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. And if we're lost, our spirit goes on to eternal judgment, that place called hell. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. The fact is, the veil of our flesh is the only thing 
that separates us from the spiritual realm. It's the only thing. Notice what Paul said. I quoted it a moment ago, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What does that mean? That means as a believer, the moment that your body turns, turns loose of your spirit, the moment that your brain and your heart and your lungs and all that stop functioning, listen, your body is dead, but you are not dead. You go on into eternal uh, state uh, into the presence of the Lord if you're born again. This is very important because the flesh is all that separates us from the spiritual realm. That's why the gifts of the Holy Spirit are so important. We're Pentecostal people, right? We, we believe in tongues and interpretation of tongues and discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, working of miracles, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings. We believe in all of that. All of that is, is heaven breaking in on earth. That's all it is. It's, the, it's one realm breaking in onto another realm. And the reason why so many Christians never partake or taste of the spiritual gifts is because we can't seem to get past the flesh. Are y'all still with me this morning? I'm trying to help you. Because there's more power available for you to walk in than what you're currently walking in. God wants to do something great in your life. We're spiritual beings. But beyond that, we're not the only spiritual beings. And I want to break into this for just a moment. Aside from humans with a spirit that's eternal, God created other spiritual beings called angels. We don't know uh, exactly a lot of the hows and when. Scripture does give us some insight, but the Bible tells us that uh, in the beginning of creation, God, when he created everything, he created the hosts of heaven, angels. Hollywood has um, kind of, uh, what would you say, kind of fictionalized angels almost. And we think of, of angels with halos and long flowy robes and wings and flap. Or if we don't go to that extreme, we also think of angels as um, you know, little fat babies with diapers, with pins, playing harps on clouds in heaven. You know what I'm talking about? You see them, you have the ornaments on your Christmas tree, you know, with a little baby playing a harp. And the problem is, is that Scripture never depicts an angel like that. The Bible says when angels showed up, uh, many people fall down on their face and, and out, of, out of a holy, reverent fear. They're seen as tall and majestic uh, Ezekiel, there are different kinds of angels. There are guardian angels. There are archangels. There are different types of angels. Ezekiel says there's one that was like a wheel in the middle of a wheel and, and eyes all over the place. And probably pretty freaky if any of us ever saw one. But these angels are real. And we have to ask ourselves, what's the purpose of these angels? Why did God create them? Hebrews 1 verse 14 tells us. Look at it. The Bible tells us, are, they, are my ministers not... Are they not sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Are they not all ministering spirits? Everybody say ministering spirits. They're sent forth to minister to those who will what? Inherit salvation. What does that mean? That means that these beings, even though they may be unseen, they are not unproductive. They are working. Behind the scenes. Now, let me make myself clear. 
A lot of different sects of Christianity that have got off in the left field and got goofy. Nowhere in the Bible are we supposed to pray to angels. We're not supposed to try to talk to the angels and, and summon the angels and all. That gets into a bunch of New Age stuff. The Bible doesn't say anything like that. And every time somebody sees an angel in Scripture, almost all the times recorded, they are pointing the glory back to God. You have to understand even Satan himself can, dis, can transform himself into an angel of light. So just because you're having a spiritual experience doesn't mean it's a Holy Spirit experience. You're spiritual. We are a spiritual being. We're going to see the good and the bad this morning of both realms of this spiritual realm. But what does it say? My ministering spirits, they're sent forth to minister to those who inherit salvation. You know, you don't understand. The Bible also tells us that we may entertain, entertain angels unaware. You and I have no earthly idea, unless the Lord were to reveal it to us, how many times in our lives we've interacted with such angelic beings. I've heard stories. When I was young, and I know this is probably not appropriate to watch now, although it wasn't a terrible show, but there was a show I watched as a kid called Unsolved Mysteries. And uh, anybody remember that show? And, uh, and uh, there were all types of, 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 of news clips of, of, a, of a family being broken down on the side of the road. And they were desperate. And they didn't know how they were going to get home or they ran out of gas or their tire burned out. All of a sudden, somebody just appeared by the side of the road and fixed their car. And they said, can I pay you? No. And they gave them a word of encouragement. And they turned around and they disappeared into the night. You say, I don't know what that is. I do. It's an angel. Angels are ministering spirits. You don't know how many times you've almost been in an accident on a car and an angel come by and brushed its wing across your tire and puts you back onto the center lane. You don't know how often heaven's intervention has burst in through the prayer. Do you know something that angels can travel faster than, than we can say the name of Jesus? And listen, you can be in crisis mode. You can be in a moment where you feel like you don't know what can happen. And by the time you even get Jesus off of your lips, the angels can fly around the earth and get in the front seat of your car. Tell you, God's unseen kingdom is amazing. They're ministering spirits. Oftentimes when I'm praying for a lost loved one, and it's somebody that won't listen to me, maybe their heart's hard towards me, or maybe, maybe there's some distance. I pray, and I, I just pray, I say, Lord, I just pray for them right now. In the name of Jesus, that you would just protect them from stupidity. Help them to not die before their time. Lord, let somebody cross their path. And Lord, even send an angel to them. Whatever you have to do to get them on the path. And let me tell you something. Heaven's armies are there to do God's bidding. Angels are very real. But the scripture doesn't just talk about angels when it talks about Spirit beings. The Bible also talks about something we call demons, or some translations say devils. There's a lot of dispute on the origin of demons and what they are, what they came from, but here's what we do seem to know according to Scripture. We do know that these are very strategic beings who seem to be operating under the realm of Satan, fallen spirits of some type, who, by the way, are here to terrorize the lives of men. There are all types of spirits in the Bible. There are uh, familiar spirits. People go to a psychic and they're like, I, uh, this psychic told me the name of my lost loved one. That was a familiar spirit. 
familiar spirit. By the way, let me just insert this right here. Christians have no business reading tarot cards, horoscopes, psychics, palm reading. You say, but, but, but they told me something. Do you know demons have been around since the creation of the earth too? Familiar spirits. Listen, somebody telling me my mama's name ain't, ain't, ain't nothing to me. You can get that on Google. But beside that, I know that angels and demons are spiritual beings and there are familiar spirits. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, when the witch of Endor tried to call up Saul, it was a bad spirit. It's fake. There are seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. The Bible tells us in, uh, in the New Testament that in the end of days that men will not listen to sound doctrine, but they'll give heed to seducing spirits. These are unholy demonic forces that ride on the coattails of false doctrine and speak into the ears of people and cause deception, causing them to fall astray from grace. It's a crazy, crazy thing. There are demonic spirits, if you can believe it, who go to church. Because Jesus first recorded demonic encounter in the Bible, was in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And as he got up to open the scroll and began to read, this spirit said, Jesus of Nazareth, why have you come to torment me before my time? Religious spirits. All types of spirits of infirmity. There are spirits that can make people sick. Doesn't mean that all sickness comes from demonic activity, but certainly some can. The Bible records a woman who was a daughter of Abraham, meaning she was a Jew. She was of Jewish descent. And she was in the temple. It bound up with the spirit of infirmity. Her back could not straighten. This, this spirit had contorted her. And, and, and she didn't need healing. She needed deliverance. There's a difference. When Jesus cast out the spirit of infirmity, what happened? She got straight again. There are other times where Jesus encountered deaf people. And this does not mean that all deaf people have a spirit. Some people are deaf because you didn't wear protection in the plant or in the oil field. Amen. Doesn't mean it's all demonic. God can heal all of it, but sometimes the source of it is different. But when Jesus recognized it was a spirit causing it, he said, you deaf and dumb spirit, come out in the name of Jesus. And they talk and they spoke and they, hear, they heard. We see the realm of the Spirit all throughout Scripture breaking out into eternity. I'm getting ready to uh, teach Wednesday night on Acts chapter 8 on the ministry of Philip the deacon, how he went down to Ethiopia and an angel appeared to him and said, I want you to take this road right here and go. And the Bible says it led him to a man who needed to hear the gospel. Folks, we don't understand how often the spiritual realm breaks in to the natural realm. But I believe this morning, if God would allow your eyes to be opened, you would really see the influence of the demonic realm into our earth today. The book of Daniel records and says, in the last days, knowledge shall increase. Certainly, we're becoming more aware of things. Before, you had to wait by telegraph or you had to wait from some message from afar. But today, almost instantaneously by news, you just type in a few buttons on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your Chromebook, whatever. And you have the right now news, some, sometimes even live from the nations of the earth. 
not only has knowledge increased, it almost seems as if wickedness has increased, although wickedness has not increased in the fact that wickedness has always been around in mankind, but it's becoming more prevalent and more known because of our avenues. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's God influencing these schools and this legislation and all of these things to try to indoctrinate our kids at young ages about transsexuality and all of these different things? That's not God, friend. That is a spirit that is pressing down into our world, a spirit of perversion. It is a stronghold. All of these different things that are pressing into the earth realm, the church has to know about it, not only about it, but how to deal with it. Are you still with me? I know this isn't traditional Sunday morning preaching, but uh, I felt really inspired to give this to you today. I want to take into our text. All of that was free. It was introduction. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Let me summarize this passage for you. Israel was at war with Syria. Syria is the northern border of Israel. It's a very, very, to this day, a very uh, Muslim stronghold. They hate Israel. Um, They're constantly at war with each other. And the king of Syria had made up his mind to make war against the people of God. The problem is, is that they were coming up against a real true blue prophet of God. Not a self-called prophet, not a self-proclaimed prophet, but a a for real prophet. Because Elisha had the oil on him from Elijah. He had the mantle. And what happened was that um, the king of Syria would plot to make a move. And as soon as he would plot to make a move, God would speak into the ear of the prophet Elijah and give him the battle strategy. Aren't you glad that the Holy Ghost can lead you? Some of y'all need to listen. That's why you stay in so much trouble. Come on, somebody. But the Holy Spirit can lead you. And God spoke into his ear and said, the king of Syria is going to do this. And so Elijah would strategize. And when they would go to try to rush in, their plan would falter and they would fail. So the king of Syria got all frustrated, went back to his leaders and said, what is the deal here? What's the problem? And he said, you know, the problem is, Not that we have a spy in the camp, but that the prophet Elisha knows the secret things that you speak in your bedchamber. Who aren't you glad that you can hide things from your (laughs) mother-in-law? Men, you can hide stuff from your wife. I saw a man one time, he was buying something, and he told the clerk, he said, this is he money, uh, she money. He said, what is she money? He said, she don't know about it. <laughs> you can hide stuff from the IRS, but you can't hide stuff from God. Especially when you're coming against God's people. The Holy Spirit gave him the battle plan. And so, anyway, that infuriated the king, and so he rushed in to the quarters where they were sleeping. And that night, they went to bed as usual. Elisha had him a little armor bearer, a little servant that was working with him. And he got up early in the morning. and He wasn't Jewish, but he wasn't wasn't cooking eggs and bacon. It was probably like hummus or something. Falafels. St. Peter's fish. He got up and he 
whoa, hold on just a second. And he looked around, and he saw the chariots of Syria and all of their warriors surrounding them. How many of you have ever been hit with something first thing in the morning? As soon as you woke up. So naturally, a little bit of panic stepped in. You say, well, he should have had more faith. He shouldn't have. You listen, you would have did the same thing. You would have did the same thing. Now listen, it's one thing to be temporarily affected by the things that are going on around us, but eventually, as people of God, we got to snap out of that, put our face shoes on, and, and we got to get to working. But initially, there's some things in our life that shake us, a bad doctor's report, a phone call, a text in the middle of the night, some things that may shake us to our core. But let me tell you something. Uh, thank God that Elisha was in his life because Elisha gave him a word of encouragement. Because the prophet of God knew something different that the servant of God didn't know. He said, my friend, don't be fearful. Because there are more that be with us than they that be with them. The only problem, are you ready for this? The only problem was because of his flesh, he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it because of his flesh. But let me, let, me just, let me just give you something. Let me jump ahead of myself really quickly. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay? Hold on. You ready? Let's go here. So Elisha prayed a dangerous prayer. He said, Lord, he said, I pray that you would open your servant's eyes that he might see. And from that moment, there was like a scale that fell from his eyes. And he was able to see past the veil of his flesh into the realm of the spirit. And he looked up and he saw chariots of horses and fire, just like the chariot that carried Elijah up into heaven in a whirlwind. He saw the chariots of Israel in fire and he got encouraged. How many of you know when you see what God's doing, you can get encouraged real fast? Some of you this morning say, God, if I could just see it, I'd be encouraged. Let me tell you, you don't have to see it to be encouraged. Because the Bible tells us he's working. Let me give you a few things this morning that you need to know. Number one, if you're taking notes, I'll go through quickly. Number one, the spirit realm is real. It's real. That's why I don't play with Halloween. That's why I don't play with scary movies. That's why I don't do all that stuff. I believe it's very, very real. The spirit realm is real. And let me tell you something. The spirit realm works hand in hand in the natural realm. I'm going to say something real unpopular. I don't care if you like it or not. That's why you can't watch everything. Oh, it's just a soap opera, Pastor, but there's a spirit on it. Oh, it's just a soap opera, Pastor. Oh, it's just a, a drama television show. You're going to have some drama in your house. I'm not against television. I have two of them, but let me tell you something. Tell a vision, break it down. Tell the vision. They're telling you what they want you to see. They're telling you what they want you to hear. They're telling you what they want you to believe. You know why so many people today in our, in our society today are so accepting of the homosexual lifestyle now? There's some of you in this room. You don't even flinch about it anymore. You know why? Because you see it all the time. 
The first time you saw that Every Kiss Begins with K commercial and you saw two dudes on there kissing, you said, oh, my God, I don't want to see that. Now you just don't even think about it. The spirit realm is real. What you take in your eyes, what you take in your ears, and what you allow to come out of your mouth affects the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is good. I believe if you could see behind the veil, get past it and beyond it this morning, you'd quickly be able to see that angels are real and demons are real and they are operating in the earth realm, both seen and unseen. Can I tell you something? There's no coincidence you get sleepy every time you read the Bible. It's no coincidence you get distracted every time you go to pray. Your phone can be sitting there all day long and notifications not go off. And then all of a sudden, bing, 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 bing. Why? Because the spiritual activity around us is so real. Here's the second thing I want to tell you. I'm going fast. Number two, there's a fight going on. As natural as the fight of Israel against his physical armies, there is a spiritual fight against the enemies of God. Now, we may not understand this or fully come into the realm of realization, but the truth is, is that we are fighting from a place of victory. God has already won the battle. He's already given us the strategies. He's already given us the battle plans. He's already given us all of those things, but it's up to us to rise up in faith, to take our authority, and to fight the fight of victory. There's a fight going on. See, Scripture is plainly clear. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Notice, notice, don't, don't change it. Notice what he said. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, this is very difficult for us to deal with today because you say, well, Pastor, it ain't a spirit I'm dealing with, it's my boss. It ain't a spirit I'm dealing with, it's my unsaved husband. It's not a spirit I'm dealing with, it's my teenager who's wayward. The truth is, is that because we are spirit beings, we are influenced spiritually. So in order to win the fight, you cannot approach it from the physical realm. You have to approach it from the physical, the spiritual realm. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 with me. Because only when we're in a fight can we know how to fight. Here's what Paul said. He said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they're mighty in God to the what? Pulling down of strongholds. What's a stronghold? When the enemy comes in and he starts putting ideologies in your brain and you cause justifications and, and all of these different types of things, listen, it, it comes compromise after compromise, little by little. We become indoctrinated, we become calloused, we become cold to filthy language, we become cold to adultery scenes on the television, we become cold to the music we put into our ear. Oh, but it's got a great beat. Yeah, but you don't know what the words are saying. Come on, somebody. The, we, we, the strongholds are built up in our hearts and in our minds. But I love what Paul said. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Can I tell you something? The only thing strongholds are good for is being pulled down. 
Some of you in this room have some strongholds in your families you need to pull down. Some of you have some strongholds in your marriages you need to pull down. But the weapons of our warfare are not farnal. Carnal. We don't fight with, with stones and, and slingshots. We don't fight with AK-47s or picket signs. We don't fight with all of those things. What do we fight with? We fight with the Word of God. We fight with the blood of Christ. We fight with the power of the Holy Spirit. We, th- we fight through prayer. We fight through fasting. We fight through coming together in unity. But I'm telling you something. The enemy is no force for a people who awaken to the fact that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But you have to understand there is a fight going on. Folks, there's a fight over your marriage. There's a fight over your kids' salvation. There's a fight over your finances. There's, there's a fight over so many different things in our lives that I could go through and put my finger on. There's a fight. Why? Because the kingdom of darkness, understand this, the kingdom of darkness knows that it's on a ticking timer. That's why when Jesus approached the devil, they said, why have you come to torment us before our time? Because they know there's a time. Just like the Bible says in Hebrews, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. There's also a judgment coming for these evil, wicked, fallen spirits. And they know that if they can influence people as much as they can and get them to fall, they can take people with them. So folks, we've got to realize that we're in a fight. Come on, put your hands up and say we're in a fight. Come on, I know it's silly, but put your hands up. We're in a fight. But your fight is not won based on what you can do in the natural. Your fight is won in the supernatural. Here's the third thing I want to tell you. There's more than meets the eye. The servant of God had something really awesome that happened to him. His eyes were open. He was able to see into the realm of the Spirit. You know, when you read the New Testament, you read Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12 emphasized the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were given to the church. And one of those nine gifts is the discerning of spirits. Now, people all the time, they misquote it. They say it's the gift of discernment. There's no such thing. It's not in the Bible. Well, I just have a suspicion. No, that's, that's, that's the gift of suspicion. That's not, there is no, discern, you can have discernment, but there's no spiritual gift of discernment. It's the discerning of spirits. And the word spirit there is, is not capitalized. It's lowercase. And it's also plural. Spirits, plural. Why? Because there are good spirits, there are bad spirits, and there are human spirits. And when God gives you the discerning of spirits and he slips past the veil and allows you to see it for a moment, you can understand I'm dealing with something demonic, I'm dealing with something carnal, or this is something that God is doing. There's scriptural evidence for that. Paul, y'all still okay? In Acts chapter 16, Paul and his companion were going to prayer. Going to pray. That's a good thing, right? And all of a sudden, this woman comes up behind them, little girl. Here's what she says. 
These are the men of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation. Let me ask you a question. True statement? True statement. If she came behind Paul and Silas and said, These are the men of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation. Is that a true statement? Listen. Something doesn't have to be wrong. You can say something that's correct and say it the wrong way, with the wrong intent, with the wrong purpose. This woman, the scripture says, was possessed by a spirit of divination. She was a psychic in the, in, in the city streets. She would go out and read people's fortunes, and, and she was operated in by, by familiar spirit. And, and Paul, the Bible says he was vexed in his spirit. He turned and he said, come out of that woman, you unclean spirit. And the spirit left her. She went back to her owners, her pimp, her spiritual pimp, and he said, what happened? And she said, well, that guy named Paul cast a demon out of me, and now I can't tell fortunes anymore. And so because Paul interrupted the revenue, uh, they bound him in stocks and chains, him and his friend, and put them in jail. How did Paul know? that this woman was operating under an evil spirit. Because after all, she was saying the right thing. He got beyond, beyond the veil. God opened his eyes. And through the gifts of the discerning of spirits, he was able to see what was going on right there. See, there's more happening that meets the eye. The servant, I'm closing. The servant went out, got the sleep out of his eyes, and he saw the chariots of Israel and their horsemen and all of their men. And then it became true to him what the prophet said. There are more that be with us than they that be with them. Folks, I don't know about you. But God revealed that to them. And then they didn't even have to fight the Assyrians. The prophet of God, it doesn't, even say, it doesn't even say the Lord did it. It says that they did according to the word of Elijah. Elisha, Elijah, Elisha was just operating under spiritual authority that he had been given. He just struck them with blindness. That wasn't probably permanent blindness but because God doesn't put sickness on people. But, but he gave them blindness where they can come in and... Much like what happened with Paul on the street called Straight. And Israel got a victory. But what I want you to know this morning is this. Number one, the spirit realm is real. Number two, there's a fight going on. Number three, there's more than meets the eye. There is activity in the heavens that are going on all the time. In fact, you, you need to understand this. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Here's a little obscure passage of Scripture. You ready for this? I already told you demons come to church, right? Jesus cast one out in the synagogue. Paul wrote this little obscure passage to the church at Corinth, and he was dealing with their customs of how women dress and keep their hair and all of these things. And he says, for this cause, a woman ought to cover her head in church. And then he adds this on to the end, because of the angels. So if you're coming to church and demons show up to church to distract 
and angels show up to church to minister, that must mean we're in a fight. That's why hell is bent on people getting born again. That's why hell is bent on you inviting people to church. That's why hell is bent on us pressing into worship and really getting locked into the things of the Spirit because as long as we can stay ignorant about Satan's kingdom, and the Bible even goes as far to tell us we are not ignorant of his devices. God wants us to know so that we can fight the fight of faith. I want everybody to stand up on your feet this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me ask you.